Well, for the last four Sundays, we've been asking and answering that question, then what? In week one, we talked about that death is the guaranteed part of life. That probably not the most encouraging message you've ever heard, but could be one of the most important, that death is the guaranteed part of life. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, it is a uh, that destiny, death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. That was week one. Then week two, we talked about life after life. That when your body dies, you don't. That everybody will spend eternity with God somewhere. In week three, we talked about the place called heaven. Heaven is a real place and you really can go there. That's what we talked about in week three. In week four, last week, we talked about the place called hell. That it's not God's will or God's desire that anyone goes to hell, but God allows every person to choose to live life with Him or without Him. And it's our choice. Now today and next Sunday, we're actually going to finish this series by looking at the ultimate answer to that question, then what? I want you to take your Bibles, if you have it, and open to Genesis, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and 21. book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, tells us how it's all going to end. Revelation chapter 20, and then we'll get into chapter 21. It's interesting that the next to last chapter in the Bible tells us that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is an amazing thought, and it's really going to take us this Sunday and next Sunday to unfold all of that, and hopefully to understand it all, and more, more more importantly, to appreciate what's in our future. Because that is the ultimate then what. The Bible says in the last two chapters of the Bible that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But what does that mean? Well, I think this graph will be a good starting point to try to comprehend how things are going to unfold. If you could put this graph up. Right now, we're living in the age of grace. Because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are in the age of grace. And what that means is, you and I have the opportunity, you and I have the freedom to trust Christ as our Savior. You and I have an opportunity to go to church and to hear the gospel and to have our sins forgiven. Since the cross of Jesus, we have been living in the age of grace. But the Bible says there's the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture. Of course, this is the premillennial view of the end times, but uh, the rapture of the church. That is, there's coming a time in the future somewhere, it could happen at any time, that the believers in the world who are alive at the time of the rapture will be, the Bible says, taken up with Christ to be with Him in the air. And we'll be raptured, we'll be taken up. And that day is coming. And then after that, notice the dotted line. The dotted line represents the seven years of tribulation. That after the rapture of the church, there will be seven years where the world will experience calamity and chaos unlike anything this world has ever known. Then after the tribulation is the second coming of Christ. That, the down arrow there representing the second coming of Christ. And let me say to you that just as surely as Jesus came the first time, He is coming again a second time. He will come visibly and bodily just as surely as He did the first time. Jesus Christ is coming back to this world a second time. And this is, that second coming, that downward arrow, this is when the battle of Armageddon will occur. You've heard of that probably. It'll be the final showdown between the good and evil on earth. And after the tribulation, Jesus will return 
uh, as a mighty king and the armies of the world will gather against him and he will defeat the armies of the world uh, at the valley of Megiddo. We call it the battle of Armageddon. And all believers in heaven, if you have any grandparents, if you have any parents, if you have a brother or sister that has died and they've trusted Christ and they're now in heaven, they will all come with Jesus at the second coming to the battle of Armageddon and we will all get to witness Jesus defeat the evil in the world. Then, look at the graph. After the second coming, after the battle of Armageddon, there will be a thousand years of peace. Because he has, cre- he has defeated all the enemies, all the armies, all the evil in the world. There will be a thousand years of peace. That's the millennium, that bar there. It'll be a time of perfect peace in a perfect world. And Jesus Christ will be our ruler. And then, if you'll notice, there's a space, a gap. And then the last arrow representing eternity. In that space, in that gap is Revelation 20 and 21. Alright, so to give you the context of where this fits in world history, what we are about to read in Revelation 20 and 21 occurs basically in that gap. And it will usher in eternity. So, with that in mind, take your Bibles, Revelation chapter 20. If you'll notice, talk to me a little bit this morning, if you'll notice at the top of chapter 20, what does it say? What's the heading at the top of chapter 20? All right, for a lot of you, it probably says the thousand years. So, so look at this graph. That's the millennium. So that's what chapter 20 says. It's talking about this thousand-year reign. And then look what happens in chapter 20, verse 7. When the thousand years are over, look at the graph. When the thousand years are over, when you come to the end of that line, when the thousand years are are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they'll be like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Look at verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they will be, what's that word? tormented, the devil will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I told you last Sunday that hell is not going to be a place where Satan is ruling over hell. But he's going to be in hell being tormented in hell. And this is the verse I was referring to when I said that last Sunday. But now skip down to verse 14. Because it's not just the devil and the demons that are going to be there. Unfortunately, others will as well. Verse 14, "Then then death, those who don't know Christ, And Hades, those who have already died, were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, if they were not a believer in Jesus Christ, their name was not recorded in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And look up here, that's what eternity will be for them. That's when eternity will begin for them. And that's where they will be for all eternity. But, what happens to the Christians during this time? What happens if you've trusted Christ as Savior? What's going to happen to you during this time? Well, look at the graph one more time. Remember, we're living in the age of grace. So right now, because we're living in the age of grace, if somebody dies and they know Christ as Savior, the Bible teaches that during this time, they go immediately into the presence of God. They go immediately from the land of the dying into the land of the living. 
I was, just last night, I was with a, a member of our church family. And he passed away, 57 years old. He went from the land of the dying into the land of the living. Now, we call that place where we go after we die, we call that place what? Heaven. Exactly. Now, that's our ultimate hope. And I want you to know something. It's going to happen because God says it's going to happen. We're going to go to heaven after we take our last breath. In fact, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you so that you can be where I am. And I was with my dad when he died. I was with my mom when she died. I was with my brother when he died. I watched them step across that line between now and forever. And their bodies stopped functioning, but their spirit went immediately to be with God in heaven. To depart and be with Christ, the Bible says, is better by far. And in this age of grace, when we trust Christ as Savior, and we come to that last day, and we cross over from death into life, the Bible says during that time we go to heaven. But now this is where I need you to listen carefully. This is where I need you to focus. Did you know that if you're really going to understand heaven, you need to see heaven as being in two phases. There is what the Bible calls the present heaven. In fact, most of the time in the Bible it's listed as the first heaven. Revelation, that's what it's called, the first heaven. So the present heaven, where my mom and my dad and my brother are in the presence of God, that's the present heaven or the first heaven. And actually, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about that place. We know that the throne of God is there. We know that God's on His throne. We know that Jesus is at His right hand. We know that He's being worshipped by angels. We know that there's a heavenly chorus there. And we know that it's a splendid place. And, and all the believers of the New Testament and all the believers in the Old Testament and every family member that you've ever known who trusted Christ as Savior, it, once they've passed away, they're all together in God's presence in heaven, in what Revelation calls the first heaven. Did you know there's a phase two regarding heaven? Let me show you this. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed, for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This second phase of heaven is called the new heaven and the new earth. If you look at the graph, let me show you where that's going to occur. It will occur after the thousand year reign of Christ, after the millennium, in that gap. The Bible says that God is going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. And that's where eternity will begin for us. And the final two chapters of Revelation describe this ultimate prophetic vision that John has. This vision of eternity. And it's the most descriptive account of what heaven is going to be like. The new heaven and the new earth. And so based on Revelation 21, there's one or two things I want to show you today. And I want you to look at your Bible in verse 1. First of all, I want you to see that heaven is going to be a unique place. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The word new in this context does not mean new as compared to old. 
but rather it means new in the sense of a different type. Look at this pulpit. If we were to say to you, we're going to buy a new pulpit, and next Sunday we had a brand new pulpit that looked just like this one, it would be new, but it's new of the same thing, right? This is the old one, here's the new one. That's not the word that's used here in Revelation. If next Sunday you came back and we had a plexiglass pulpit, that would be new of a different type. That's the word that's used here in Revelation. When he talks about a new heaven and a new earth, it's not just new as compared to old, but it is a different type of heaven and earth. Something completely unique that we, that, that we can't even understand right now. Something so completely unique that it's, it doesn't compare to anything that we now have. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Adrian Rogers, a great preacher who is now in heaven. Adrian Rogers, leader in the Southern Baptist Convention, once said this. He said, just as I was, I was made a new creature in Christ when I became a Christian, this world will be made new by the power of God. It too will be born again. Our world has a core of molten fire and one day God will light the fuse and that will explode this seething mass. But every stain of sin and every evidence of evil will be taken away and we will have a new heaven and a new earth where we will abide forever. So Pastor, my mind started to spin a little bit. Well, let me spin it a little faster. Look in verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had... What's that next word? Passed away. How do we normally use that phrase? We normally use that phrase to refer to somebody that's died. They passed away. And the Bible uses that phrase differently here. The Bible uses that phrase to talk about a world that passes away. Heaven and earth that no longer exist. That's what the word means. It ceases to exist... The old earth, the old heaven, passes away. Now, it's so interesting that John was not the first person to foresee that there would be a new heaven and a new earth. This is not the first time we see this in the Bible. In fact, let me show you a few examples where you find this in the Bible. Uh, Go all the way to the Old Testament. Find the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17 says this. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Behold, the prophet said, God God says through the prophet, I will create new heavens and a new earth. So this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. This concept of, of a new heaven and a new earth goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And then go over to the New Testament towards the end to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then watch what he says. Look at this. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. Notice it's heavens plural. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day, watch this, that day will bring about the destruction. We hear it, here it is a second time. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens, 
plural, by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We're looking forward, he said, to that day when the old heaven and the old earth are destroyed, but looking forward to when a new heaven and a new earth will be brought, brought, by, brought about and it'll be the home of righteousness. One, th- one other thing real quickly. Go to Matthew. You see that even Jesus talked about this. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus is speaking and he says, heaven and earth will pass away. There's that phrase again. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. So Isaiah, Peter, Jesus, all three of them told us what John reveals to us in the book of Revelation, that there is coming a time when the old earth and the old heaven will pass away. And that will give way to a new heaven and a new earth. Now what did he mean, especially like in Peter, what did he mean when he said the heavens will be destroyed by fire? What in the world is that talking about? Well, there are three heavens mentioned in the Bible. Again, I'm not trying to spin your head here, but I want you to focus, listen to me. There are three heavens mentioned in the Bible. The first heaven is what we would call simply the atmospheric heaven. This is the sky and the clouds. It's the breathable atmosphere that blankets planet Earth. The atmosphere. That's the first heaven that the Bible talks about. In Genesis 7, verses 11 and 12, it says, The floodgates of heaven were opened and rain fell for 40 days and 40 nights. He was talking about the atmosphere, the atmospheric heaven. That those heavens opened and the rain fell. Boy, that, the, <laughs> the atmospheric heaven's been open here lately, hasn't it? Has it been raining at your house? That was the atmospheric heavens opening and rain coming down. That's the first heaven that's described in the Bible. And then the second heaven that's described in the Bible is the planetary heavens. This is where the stars and the sun and the moon and the planets are. Genesis 15.5, God said to Abram, I want you to go outside, I want you to look at all the stars and try to count them. And that's how many your descendants will be. He was talking about the planetary heavens. Or in... Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's talking about the planetary heavens, what you see in the night sky, what you see in the sunrise or the sunset. The heavens declare the glory of God. He wasn't talking about the atmosphere. He was talking about that second heaven, the planetary heavens. So we got the atmospheric heaven, we got the planetary heavens, but beyond that is the heaven where God lives. How do we know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul, in a vision, says, I was called up to the third heaven. He had a vision of God. He said, I was called up to the third heaven. Not the atmosphere, not the planets, but the third heaven. The place where God lives. Luke 24, verse 50. The Bible says that Jesus was taken up into heaven. He went beyond the atmosphere. He went beyond the planets. He was taken up into heaven. Now, here's what you need to understand. When the Bible talks about the heavens will be destroyed... It's talking about the first heaven, the atmosphere, and the planets. But the third heaven, the place where God lives, will not be destroyed. Now, how do we know that? Look at Scripture with me. Revelation. Go back to Revelation chapter 21. And let's read. 
Verse 2, John said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of what, church? Yeah, coming down out of heaven, the place where God now lives. What we would call the third heaven or, or the present heaven. You can call it heaven phase one if you want to, but where God now lives. He says, John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then he goes on to say, watch this. He said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This whole theme of the text is that heaven is going to be a place where God is going to do something new. And it, it occurs in that space right there. In that space where God will create a new heaven and a new earth, and it would be so different from the world that we live in that the only way that John could adequately describe this new heaven and new earth was with the phrase, no more. Look in verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now look at the graph, and this will make sense to you. The tribulation will be a time of great tears. It'll be a time of great mourning. It'll be a time of great pain. And then the thousand-year reign of Christ. Uh, uh, well, the second coming, he'll come and defeat all the evil in the world. That will lead into a thousand years of perfect peace, a perfect world. So, when he creates this new heaven and this new earth, there are no more tears, there is no more death, there is no more mourning, because everything associated with sin and sorrow has been destroyed. It's been taken away. It's no more. So the things that bring us pain on earth will be missing in heaven. They will be no more. I, I love that. I've seen a lot of sorrow as a pastor. I'm not just talking about my life, but in the lives of the people I've ministered to for 35 years. I've seen a lot of sorrow. I've seen a lot of pain. I've seen a lot of hurt. I've seen a lot of heartache. I've seen a lot of tears. And the Bible says there's coming a day when God's not just going to take us home like He does in the age of grace, but there's coming a day when, when God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be no more sorrow and no more crying and no more pain because everything associated with sin and sorrow will be removed. Heaven is a place that cannot be touched or tainted by the enemy. The Living Bible says all of that has gone forever. All of that has gone forever. Verse 5, he's, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything, what's that next word, church? New. I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let me try to summarize it for you this way. We think of heaven as us leaving here and going up to where God is. And in this age of grace, that is exactly what happens. In this age of grace, it is us leaving here and going up to where God lives. But there's coming a day in this last line, this time of eternity, where God is going to come down to us and live with us. 
Pastor, can you explain that to me? Next Sunday, I'm going to try. You have to come back because the next part of Revelation, the next part of the chapter is where he talks about this new heaven. What is this new heaven going to be like? This new heaven and this new earth, what is it going to be like? That's what we're going to talk about next Sunday. But I need you to look at verse 6 and verse 8. Verse 6 is some really good news. And verse 8 is some really bad news. In verse 6, John tells us that heaven is available to anybody. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. I love this phrase, it is done. The declaration by Jesus, it is done. What is done? Everything that you need to do to go to heaven has been done by Jesus on your behalf. Everything that you need so that you can have forgiveness of sins has been done by Jesus so you can have a relationship with God. It has been done. You can't add anything to it. Your good works won't amount to anything. It has already been done. It's not something you do. It's something you receive. By faith, you receive what Christ has done for you. I am not going to heaven because of the best 15 minutes I've ever lived. I'm going to heaven because my faith is in what Christ did for me. It is done. I don't add to it. I just greatly, gladly receive it by faith. It's done. And the good news is, heaven is available to anybody. Look how he describes it here. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost. Because Christ has already paid the cost. To him who is thirsty, I will give without cost from the spring of the water of life. You understand what that's saying? That the only requirement for you to have a relationship with God, the only requirement for you to one day be with God forever in heaven, the only requirement is that you be thirsty enough to want it. And to recognize he's the only one who has living water. He's the only one that can satisfy the thirst of your soul. Too many people have been drinking from the mud holes of this world looking for satisfaction. And that satisfaction is only found in Jesus Christ. Only He can give you living water. Only He can give you what your soul is thirsty for. And He says, it is done. Heaven is available to anybody. If you're thirsty, you can have it. Then in verse 8, he tells us that heaven will not be home for everybody. Verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. The first death is physical death. The second death is eternal, swarm, eternal torment, separated from God for all eternity. Eternal torment, separated from God. He's talking about that last line, eternity. 
Read it one more time, the last part. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Heaven is available to anybody, but it's not the home for everybody. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to think with me. I want you to focus right now for just a moment. I want you to think with me. If Jesus says, it is done, what is there for you to do except receive what He's done for you? Because there's coming a day in this age of grace, if God doesn't come back first, there's coming a day when you're going to step across that line from now into forever. Your heart's going to stop beating. Your brain waves are going to start functioning. You're going to flatline. You're going to be dead. And in this age of grace, if you know Christ as Savior, you're going immediately into God's presence. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, the Bible says you go immediately away from God. In the New Testament, that's called Hades, or we call it hell. Now, that's in the age of grace, immediately into God's presence. Then the rapture. Those still left behind, those who have not yet died, we're going to be taken up to be with the Lord in the air. And then the thousand years of chaos, the thousand years of turmoil, the thousand years of pain and suffering in the tribulation. And then the second coming of Christ where He defeats every evil in this world. And then the thousand years of, of the reign of Christ, thousand years of peace and prosperity, Him reigning on planet earth. And then... And then he says, I will create a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth have passed away. And we will be with him for all eternity. And the cool thing is, he, he says, and, and this one, you're not coming up to me, I'm coming down to you. I want to close with looking at that scripture one more time. Look what it says in verse 2. Um, verse two I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, just another name for heaven. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. The direction here is important. This was coming out of heaven from God. You know why? Because it was a gift of God. It was the work of God. Ladies and gentlemen, everything about our salvation from beginning to end is from the hand of God, made possible by God, given to us by God. And my final question will be this. Where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? Because when your body dies, you don't. Where will you spend eternity? Would you pray with me? I know this, that's a heavy question to ask you today, but it's such an important question because... If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know your eternal home is going to be the place where everything associated with sin and sorrow will be removed. And you know that you're going to experience the presence of God. You know that your final home is in heaven, and that is just going to be amazing to experience the new heaven and the new earth. But if you don't have that assurance, then we read in verse 8 that those who don't know Christ as Savior, go away from God's presence, and will spend eternity in torment. So today, God is just saying, but, but it's your choice. You get to choose. He tells us ahead of time what's going to happen so that we can choose where we're going to spend eternity. And don't forget those three words, it is done. 
You don't get to heaven by being a good person, and you don't get to heaven by believing simply the right things, and you don't get to heaven by being baptized, and you don't get to heaven by joining the church. You get to heaven when you believe Jesus Christ has done everything on the cross that needed to be done so I could have a relationship with God. And I am today declaring my faith in His death for my sin, and I'm trusting in Him as my Lord and Savior. That is the way you establish a relationship with God, and that is the way you have the promise of a home in heaven. I'm going to be down front here to help you today. I would love the chance to talk to you. I'd love the chance to pray with you, not to embarrass you in any way, but simply to help you trust Christ as your Savior. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, thank you that you've told us in advance. And though our minds are stretched and it's hard for us to fully comprehend all that it is, we know it is going to be good and it is going to be glorious because of your amazing grace. And we're grateful for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen.